continue our hero series by digging into the brave and bold life of Irina Sendler. Irina risked her life to save others, willing to fight injustice at all costs. She courageously used her position, placement, and resources to act, never content to sit on the sidelines. She fought for what was right and lived a life that inspires. I hope you're inspired today as we learn about the heroic life of Irina Sendler. Hi, I'm Becky, the host of the Girl on a Hill podcast, where we encourage you to stop hiding, start shining, and to be the woman you were created to be. You can download Girl on a Hill podcast on your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and now, let's head to the hill. Hey, welcome to Girl on a Hill. I am excited to be with you. Again, this is our our last episode being recorded in this studio, so thanks for being with us on this, started out on this podcast journey here. It's been a long time. It's been wonderful. I'm excited to keep going, though. We're not going anywhere. We're just going somewhere new. Yeah. Just recording a different place. recording a different place. New energy, new change. I've got all my girls with me today. I've got Jolene hey. and Sydney. Hello. And Crystal. Hi. I got Ben and Walker too. Yep. <laughs> Snoring away. Walker's sleeping. Making we are smile. learning about another incredibly powerful, amazing, inspiring lady today. Um, not everybody is familiar with her story, which makes me even more excited to share it with you because she is just absolutely incredible. And there are all kinds of books about her life. There's a movie about her life. So, um, if you're intrigued, go out and research her when we're done. Her name is Irina Sendler. Um, she is pretty amazing. She was born in 1910, and she died in 2008. Oh, so again, oh, this wow. is something who um, contemporary, yeah, contemporary about, here. Yeah. I feel again so much of history. If it's in a history book, it feels like so long ago. But no, these atrocities that she fought happened when my grandparents were alive. So right, that's crazy. This is recent. Um, so. When we talked about Harriet Tubman, we also talked about how awesome her parents must have been uh-huh. to have raised this incredibly strong lady who fought injustice. And Irina Sendler's parents were very much the same way. I put, like, what we do as parents matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, kids are sponges. And, <laughs> yes. What I, <laughs> yeah. what I do and how I, yeah, they, they notice, they're watching. And I have to believe that Irina's father served as a catalyst in her life. He was a doctor. And he died of typhus in 1917 after contracting the disease while caring for poor Jewish families that all of his colleagues had refused to treat. Yeah. He was just caring for the sick that nobody would care for. And that just reminded me, too, as this is a hero series, I just have to bring up, like, all of the doctors and nurses treating the COVID patients. Mm -hmm. Like, heroes, too, while the rest of us are glaring at the people coughing at the store and they're in the (laughs) doctor's office every day, like working for the sick. So Irina started to take notice of injustice. Um, She's, this is a girl with some feist too. She began to stand up for colleagues and opposed the discrimination that was happening of Jewish students at Polish universities. I guess I didn't say that she was Polish. She lived in Poland in the late thirties prior to the beginning of world war two. She was opposed to what was called ghetto benches method of seating, which was basically segregation of Jewish students from non-Jewish students at uh, the colleges in Poland. Oh, wow. 
Oh, huh. I didn't realize they did segregation there too in that way. Yeah, in that way. Um, so what she did was, and this seems like a nothing thing today, and today people who do this would be lauded on the internet, but on her little grade card, like her ID card is kind of what it sounds like, she defaced the non-Jewish designation uh-huh. on it. And because of that, what they deemed was an act of protest. She was suspended from the University of Warsaw for three years. Oh. And then the university would give bad recommendations to employers about her because of her political leanings. Oh. Wow. hmm Jeez. <laughs> but she cared more about what was right than personal advancement. Right. So she knew yeah. she was going to get dinged for doing this, but she was like, you know what? This is wrong that we're segregating based on religion. Like This is right. terrible. Um, and this is a point of conviction for me already. Because how often do we see injustice and remain silent because we don't want to rock the boat or offend? We just want to mind our own business. Hmm. Happens to me a lot. We're like, oh, I don't want to stir up any trouble. I don't know. Controversy and conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. It's like, I don't want to go there. I mean, and hopefully none of us are seeing things like segregation happening. I would like to believe I would say something. But right. we see little injustices all the time. And just, anyway. When the Nazis invaded in 1939 and took over Warsaw, Irina was serving as a 29-year-old social worker, and she and the others in the welfare department continued to do their job and serve the poor even during the German occupation. But then, it became seemingly impossible in 1940 when the Germans did something absolutely horrifying, and they sealed off what was called the Warsaw Ghetto. Mm. And to do, this is awful, to to kick a group while they were down, essentially, they called for the establishment of the ghetto on Yom Kippur. Oh, hey. Yeah. I'm like, oh, one of your high holy days, and we're going to call for you to be segregated into this thing. Mm. Awful. Like, that's just, that's awful. Um, In 1940, I mean, and again, 1940 is not that long ago. No. It's really not. My grandma was well and alive then. Yeah. Mm. My grandpa was 10. Um, the Nazis forced the over 400,000 Jews living in Warsaw into an area that was 1.3 square miles big. It's crazy. Uh, by comparison, Disney World is 40 square miles. Jeez. The area is about the size of Central Park in New York. 400,000 people. So there's no, there wasn't even enough homes no, it or, said each room within the ghetto averaged nine people living and sleeping in it. Gee. And I have to think these were not like the size rooms we have in our homes. No. no. These were small. You go into an old house, they're small. Yeah. They're not nine people. No. And they weren't, you, you couldn't go in and out. The Jew, they couldn't leave. Yeah. They were trapped. It's sealed in with walls. So, of course, there was very poor hygiene because they had no supplies. Um, disease spread incredibly quickly. You live in such close quarters. Exactly. There was no medical supplies, no outside doctors, and a, an extreme lack of food. And mm. if you were caught trying to escape, they killed you. Yeah. So it, it was absolutely horrific. Mm. Um, then uh, I read a line from an article on Google Arts and Culture when I was studying, and it really hit. It said this. The majority of Poles absorbed by their daily struggles remained passive in the face of the Holocaust. 
Um, so again, but what were they seeing at this point? Now they've they've sealed sealed they've got sealed, sealed the people which off. You can't see so out of sight, out of I'm, mind. I'm not saying that's okay right. because that obviously is not okay. But they've already been living in segregation. True, and now they've completely sealed it off. They're going about their life, yeah, as normal, right? You're I mean, like, it can't be that bad. It they're can't not be that seeing bad. it, and who knows what they're even telling them? Yeah, well, and they there are repercussions. Oh, hundred percent for them too. I mean, the but, Germans were not a loving people. You, they were going to kill you if you helped too. I mean, none of that's okay, obviously, but that's just like wow, like yeah. But Poland was the only country in German-occupied Europe with a government-supported and established underground resistance movement. Mm-hmm. But only a few of the everyday citizens decided to help. So bravo oh. to the people who decided to help. Uh-huh. Some chose to go along with the Germans. and um, Some chose to denounce the Jews who remained in hiding. Now, I don't think any many of us listening would have done that. But yeah. I've been mulling on that word passive yeah. since mm. studying. Mm. That's been convicting me, that word passive. I Not Irina. Irina was anything but passive. So my first big point was Irina used her position and her placement. So this to me is kind of like you got to bloom where you're planted right. and just think, like, where has God put me? Uh-huh. And what resources do I have right. where I yeah. can help? Um, so she had access to the ghetto because of her work as a social worker. Uh-huh. She had contacts at orphan orphanages and other institutions throughout Poland because of her position. Mm. So she saw what was going on and she knew like, okay, I have contacts. I know about things. Here's what I'm saying. Ask, how can I use where I'm at and the tools at my disposal for the good of others? Why do you think they were allowing social workers in there? Well, she got a permit to enter to inspect sanitary conditions. Which they probably needed. That was what they knew anyway. about. That was what they knew. Yeah. And that was the extent of what they knew was that she was coming in to inspect the cleanliness. Or were they allowed for that? I mean, thank goodness they allowed for right. that. But it just seems like. It's interesting. They would just seal it off and then she would, hope yeah. that they'd kind of. I imagine she just went to someone who's an upper and was like, oh, I just need going to go check this out. Yeah. As she's like got a plan happening as she sees yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But sometimes, so I just want everybody to think about that because I think sometimes I wrote here, like, I think sometimes we think we need to have a lot of money or a lot of time or a degree or more experience. But I thought we just need to think about what we do have. Right. And this kind of goes back to Harriet Tubman, too. Like, neither of these ladies had a ton at their disposal, but they Uh -uh. were like, okay, well, what do I have? And she's like, oh, well, I have the ability to enter this place. Uh-huh. Yeah, check on these people. Yes. Yeah, that are have, obviously in dire need. <laughs> yes, I have these contacts. It, it wasn't like, well, I can't do it because I don't have. No. Yeah. So she got mm. a permit. And then she and her team, I wrote, they figured out a way to game the system. So they would fill out the intake surveys that are a lot like what we use with DSHS today to qualify a uh-huh. family for assistance. So what they did was they started up making up fake Polish last names, uh like making up fake families. And then they would get the stuff for the fake family (laughs) and then deliver it to a Jewish family in the ghetto. I like it. Isn't that amazing? So fraudulent. I know. (laughs) But you know what? No one was checking then. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, this is, people make a big deal of this for a reason when it's not. But this where I'm like, law of God versus law of man. Right. 
These people had and nothing, this, and they were yeah. they were dying. That's, they that's were very dying. shrewd of her. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a very nice. You know, what do you mm-hmm. call that? It's what she had yeah. at her disposal, and she they had the resources. Well, obviously, like, they had food. All those people went somewhere. They yeah. were eating it before. Exactly. Right. You know. But I just thought that was way to game the system, girl. <laughs> I also wanted to note here that when she went into the ghetto, uh-huh. she would wear the Star of David. As a symbol that she was with the Jewish people. Aww. Just like solidarity. Uh-huh. That's so sweet. Isn't that amazing? Um, she was described as a feather of a person with an iron spirit. <sighs> and I love that too. Like she was slight and small and that didn't stop her. Like she uh-huh. had, she was determined and confident and full of courage and resolution and integrity. Right. And like. Right. Wow. Yeah. Rad. Yeah. And I kept thinking about all the ways we would talk ourselves out of doing what she did. Yeah. Yeah. That's dangerous. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with- singer, like, these are Germans with guns. <laughs> like, you know how hard the Germans have worked to try and be kind people now and be oh. seen as so, so different. But it's like, yeah. but it's like that test or what is it that? Well, um, I shouldn't say Germans. Nazis. Yeah. Nazis. They were Nazis. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's like they like, work so hard. But yeah. But there's a reason why. Because it's like, you know, that whole experiment where you. Have someone be over someone and make them, they turn, you become submissive. Mm. And as the bully or the fake electrification thing, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Forget the thing. But, you know, it's like that. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know that they knew or realized what they were doing because it's so easy to go into that role. Yeah. And so not to be the devil's advocate, but. No, we talked about that on last one. Like, hate is taught. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I would tell myself, yeah, 100%, this is not safe or I will get caught or I'm just one little lady. What can I do? Right. Like, I'm just one person. And she didn't have a big team. But what I don't like is how that implies, as I'm knowing that I would have made these rationalizations, what that implies that in my heart, I would have valued control and self above justice, love, and compassion. I know that I yeah. would have. Like, I'm not in control of the situation, and I want to stay safe. I want to keep myself. I, I know I would have. Well, and it makes sense to self-preserve where it's innately within us. Yeah. So it's yeah. harder to do what she's doing. It makes yeah. it all that much more impressive. Yes, yeah. yes, to deny yourself yeah. and sacrifice. Because safety is important to a lot of people. Yeah. And right. control is important to <laughs> yes. a lot of people. Amen. Yes, Me being is. one of those people. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. totally. So in 1942, mass deportations of Jews from the ghettos began, and sadly mostly to concentration camps. Oh. Um, Zagoda, the Council for Aid to Jews, led by the, and I first, I love this, the Polish Underground Resistance, because it feels like Star Wars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was founded in uh, 1942. And Irina joined Zagoda and became head of their Children's Bureau. And this is when she began her amazing work. And she started smuggling children out of the ghetto. Uh-huh. I was already impressed with what she did before. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, she got the kids out. Yeah. She started with orphans, uh-huh. kids whose both their parents had been taken. Wow. But then as the situation grew more dire, she began to plead with parents. Yeah. Can you even think about the, the conversations she had with those parents? Yeah, because like, did she know about the camps or what happened at them? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, they had propaganda, I thought. Yeah. So it's like they made it sound like it was this cool place for them to go. <laughs> and it was so the opposite. Not, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? But I just well, thought, but if she if she had she obviously had insight like yeah. she had those I mean th- as a parent that would be really difficult right to like here I'm gonna send my child 
And trust her, too, mm-hmm. because I want them to live. I'm probably going to die. I have to say, yeah. like, those parents were heroes as well. well I mean, it's oh, yeah. the control factor again. Yeah. But just that that's the most selfless, <sighs> selfless thing you can think. I mean, I can't even imagine letting my kid walk out the door, but knowing that I gave them a chance to live. Right. Yeah. Like, selfless, heroic. But so... I thought about, like, she had to talk to the parents and convince the parents to let their kids go. And then she also had to ask other sets of people to hide these smuggled children uh-huh. and what heroes those people were. Uh-huh. Well, scared, upset yeah. kids. Yeah. And then she took this even further. And she always made it a point to stress that none of these children were up for adoption. Uh-huh. That they were to be returned to Jewish relatives when safe. Uh-huh. So I thought that, too. Like, to find people willing so she must have kept track in a book somewhere. She did, and that's like oh! really hard. To say. <laughs> oh, look at that! Oh. She did. I'm impressed. <clears throat> Here's so she smuggled kids out in a lot of ways: gunny sacks, uh-huh. body bags, coffins, oh. toolboxes, ambulances. She used underground corridors, the sewer, uh-huh. and then there was a church. Which, bravo, thank you, church, on the border that had an entrance on either side of the ghetto. And it was often said kids would enter one door of the church Jewish and come out the other side Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> like, Amen. We don't care yeah. at this yeah. point. Like, yeah, they're coming out is the important part. Uh, <laughs> I, she is so scrappy. I mean. Yeah. Wow. And again, like, use what you have. Like, Reese, oh, okay, well, I've got a toolbox and here's a two-year-old that can fit the toolbox. Yeah. That's crazy. Amazing. Here's where this is so rad. She had 10 helpers. So 11, and they were women. Wow. She, along with 10 other extremely brave humanitarians, rescued 2,500 children. Oh, my goodness. Wow. 2,500. Wow. Wow. And how, did, did Irene, did she have any kids? Probably couldn't at this point because I mean I mean she's just doing so much well, work. She has twenty five hundred kids. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. That's to say. I don't know if I wrote that down because well, she so, had anyway. Either way, it doesn't matter because she saved. I know, and I wrote like saving one child in my book makes you a hero. Yeah, like well, yeah. one, and she saved twenty five hundred. Think of all those parents, like you said. Wow, hundred children. Um, okay, and she Jeez. keeps getting cooler. She's kind of like <laughs> Harriet, where it's like, uh, and wait. then, but yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> she mm-hmm. was arrested. In 1943 and sentenced to death. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, As nine Nazi soldiers were coming up the stairs to arrest her, she threw a package out the window to a friend below. Now, in prison, the Nazis broke her feet and legs and tortured her, um, trying to get her to give up her co-conspirators and reveal what was in the package she threw out the window. Oh. And she wouldn't. She wouldn't talk. Yeah. Wow. Um, the package contained a list of the true identities of the thousands of children uh-huh. they had smuggled out of the ghetto and hidden amongst non-Jewish families. Yeah. So what she had done is she would keep very careful, like she was meticulous about her list, and she would bury them in jars underneath this apple tree. Wow. And then huh. so when she knew there was kind of word that they were coming for her, like she dug them up and then uh-huh. her friend reburied them uh-huh. for safekeeping. Um. I mean, she's in her early 30s right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So she probably doesn't have a family. Yeah. No, I don't think she did at this point. And her husband had been taken um, as a prisoner. He was a prisoner of war Aww. this whole time while she was working. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, so Thank even you. then, to yeah, keep that's going on. Stressful. Yeah. When, like, your husband, I mean, and then they he came back different and they divorced. But yeah. 
Um, but even then, to keep going when your husband is a prisoner, I, I yeah, I'd give oh. up. Just the stress alone to do all that. Same with Harriet. I was thinking all the uh-huh. stress she must have gone through. I would have broken know? down. Yeah, not these ladies. A mental health. Not to say that they they didn't have their moments. I'm but sure they did, yeah. but they didn't stay I mean, there. Yeah. They didn't. They mm-hmm. got, up got up and they kept going for the benefit of others. I mean, and the world was changed. Yeah, 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 yeah they exactly, were ben. exactly. So activists managed to bribe officials to release her. Uh-huh. And on the day after her release, the Germans put up posters all over stating that she had been shot. So um, this essential propaganda. propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it basically ensured that she had to remain in hiding. But she also has broken legs and broken feet. Yeah. She can't go anywhere. Yeah. Wait, I mean, like, what? oh, yeah. 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 And here's where I think I would have been out. Like. Yeah, I was in prison. I was almost executed. I rescued 2,500 children. I've done my part. <laughs> yeah, you think that's enough. You think that. And again, no one would have faulted her. Like, you're already a hero. Well done. But no, she, <laughs> she kept going. <laughs> but there's more. Yeah. Even after her release in 1944, when she knew she was being watched uh-huh. and scrutinized, she continued her, her rescue efforts and continued to work with the resistance. When asked to explain her actions, she replied, this blows me away. I was taught by my father that when someone is drowning, you don't ask if they can swim. You just jump in and help. Right. And she's probably disabled. Yeah. Because they not like they're like pinning her legs together. Yeah. So she, wow. Yeah. And you're not like, okay, these people need help. I'm not just, okay, well, help yourself. You, yeah. Be independent. I, I did what I could. Yeah. Now I've got to. Yeah. No, like, oh, they need help and I'm still alive. So I'm going to keep helping. She had to go into hiding. Mm-hmm. She missed her mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, once peace came, she dug up the lists that her friend had reburied, and then she set about to re- reunite as many of the children mm-hmm. with their families as she could. Mm-hmm. I don't have exact numbers because, of course, yeah. most of their parents died yeah. during the Holocaust. Yeah, um, I think there were some. It said most of the children, um, their best chances for long-term survival were the ones who ended up in none run like orphanages uh-huh. and institutions. Uh-huh. That was where I think she, like 70% of the children were placed uh-huh. in those kinds of places. And, and a few went with non-Jewish families. That, yeah. that was harder to mm. hide yeah. kids within a family, especially because they looked, they often had very different physical appearances. So right. mm. you would be questioned. Um, she never considered herself a hero. Mm. Um. She said, these are her exact words, heroes do extraordinary things. What I did was not an extraordinary thing. It was normal. <laughs> Anything but. It like, was normal. You rescued 2,500 people and put your life at risk. You were captured by the Nazis and then you kept going. Yeah. You like, let them break your legs and yeah, feet and didn't, didn't give, give it, it up. up. At, that, that is decidedly abnormal. And... Finished the process of, of reunite. trying. I mean, if it having she the never skill set to keep book. those notes, yeah, that that is an unsung skill. Yeah, yeah. Um, n- extremely extraordinary, right. Irina. Extremely, she said, "I could have done more. This regret will follow me to my death." Doesn't that sound like Schindler's oh, List? Man. She was actually called like many people ended up calling her female Schindler. Oh wow! Yeah. But yeah, I could have done more. Um, 
She said, every child saved with my help is the justification of my existence on this earth and not a title to glory. So very humble, yeah. I thought, and just a very, and again, that, that blows my mind too, because I think a lot of us would have been out tooting our own horn. Like, yeah, with the, no. that kind of, tra- I mean, I'm sure that was very traumatic, obviously. So it's like, can you imagine? Yeah. I can't even fathom what she went through, let alone, Ugh. I'll take, like you said, having the conversation with the parent as a parent myself, I would just lose no. it, <laughs> you know? I, no, and it, her story remained very unknown. It wasn't until a group of students in Kansas did a project on her in 1999 oh, that wow. her story came to light. At the time, in 1999, there was only one website that mentioned Irina. Wow. And it wasn't until 2001 that when the four students visited Poland that the whole world learned about her story. And their project is called Life in a Jar Project. And it's really cool. Check it out. There's a book, mm-hmm. a book called that too. So there was a lot more information that they got from Poland. Yeah. 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 And they really just went and started digging and finding out. Because, I mean, obviously those children lived. Yeah. yeah. And, and told their story. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. And which we probably heard them prior to that not realizing who was the who person. Who was the person saving them. Going in and doing yeah. this yeah. brave, stinking thing. Like, even just... even. If if her story, like we said, had stopped just at making up fake names and giving them stuff in the ghetto, <laughs> right. like, well, done. that would have been a Clever. big deal. Yeah. yeah. It is a right. big deal. It is a big deal. Helping anybody who needs something yeah. is a big deal. Wow. So I, um, these are my, my things for us to glean from her life. Because again, I pray to God, none of us have to of course. do what she did because that should never happen no. to anyone. Yeah. Um, but even if you are not called or put in a position to be the leader, the front man, et cetera, because not all of us are going to have a chance to be an Irina, to be uh-huh. the mastermind. Ask, can I be a helper? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because she couldn't have pulled this off by herself. You could have been one of the 10. Yeah. You, know? you could have been one of 10. You could have been one of the nuns. Yeah. Taking yeah. the kids. You could have been the, the ambulance driver with yeah. the smuggled kids in it. All of yeah. those people put their lives at risk. It's like the people on the Underground Railroad. Right. Like, Everyone involved right. had something on the line. Um, so she needed the team that helped her rescue the kids uh-huh. out of the ghetto. She needed the non-Jewish families uh-huh. uh, willing to hide. Every single piece in the cog matters. Right. Like never. It's kind of like that body of Christ. Like it doesn't matter if you're the spleen or the lungs. Like we need every piece. Right. We need every color in the box of crayons. But you don't know what part is going to be necessary when. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have the opportunity to help, 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 even if you think your part is so small or, well, it doesn't matter because I'm not the front man. Like, no, the front man needs you. Someone had to watch the door while they got the kids in the ambulance. Yes. Uh There were so many little pieces or even just that lady who went and reburied those jars like that. She was risking her life to be in possession of that information. Yeah, she, she must have grabbed the package and ran, and somehow they didn't catch her. Right. Or even the people, like, willing to bribe the prison officials. Like, that was risky even to ask. Yeah. Like, hey, listen. Yeah. <laughs> I read a line that stuck with me. It said, her actions reflected her outlook. And that feels uncomfortable to me as it causes me to think and ask myself about my actions and how if you really examined what I do... What would you say about my outlook? 
Mm. We've been talking about that recently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what you said, too, in Mr. Rogers, of just like, you know, you don't know what are the pieces beforehand that Mm -hmm. helped make her life Uh what it was. You know, and that yeah. stuck out to me, and it still has sense. And I'm yeah. like, what's been in my past to be in place of my yeah, future? The threads that weave right. together. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to think because she saw her father mm-hmm. working with the people that nobody else wanted to work uh-huh. with and going, no, these people deserve care. They are human beings made in the image of God, and I will help them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, that's a big deal. He gave his life for that. So, yeah, all of these things. And, and yeah, it had to be stuff working together to help her see injustice and to give her the courage to do something. Yeah, and social workers, I mean, shoot, that's a hard job oh, no matter a- when or where you're at. That's still oh, a hard man. job. And they have so many cases. They're so, so over. Many. If you are a social worker, bravo. Yes. Like, yes. Thank you for your thank service. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Yeah, so many more jobs need those discounts at stores and stuff. Seriously, <laughs> that one is one. Yeah. <laughs> Sheesh. Like, yeah. But yeah, just those, her act. I mean, she had to have a lot of hope. Yeah. Like, she had to have a hopeful outlook because you wouldn't go to all this risk if you... Had the outlook that, well, they're probably all going to die anyway. And she right. 100% believed that they were all going to be reunited with right. their she parents. She must have promised that and was like, yes, yeah. I will follow through. She had because, she did follow through. She did. Yeah, and yeah. she did. Yeah, that's her Because why would you keep the lists yeah. if you didn't believe, 100% believe that everything was going to work out for the best? Yeah. And like that convicts but, me but too. But she knew... The chances, I mean, if if 70% were not reunited, unfortunately. But just that she had that hope going into it. Like, and I think having hope can motivate so much more than pessimism. Yeah. Because if if you thought it was all bleak and there was, was, it was all doom and gloom, you might not have even started. And then those 2,500 kids might not have gone on. Right. To live. And who knows how many people are in the world because of those. And what amazing things they have done. Yeah. Butterfly effect, man. She was described as acting efficiently, boldly, and energetically. And that makes me think about how we approach helping others. Uh Because I think a lot of times I approach help with like a obligatory, I want to do this attitude. Uh Uh-huh. No, I get that. It's like, but that just depends on your mood of the day, you know? But I think I can even have those poor attitudes when I'm like not putting, I'm not putting my life on the line. Right. It's like menial stuff where it's really not, no skin off my back. And she's bold and efficient and energetic. Yeah. And it's it's risky. Right. Like it makes it that much more admirable. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like she was made for a time such as this, you yeah. know, definitely. It was very, yeah, some very big Esther vibes. Yeah, and I think this too, like this was her, yeah, like kind of what you were saying, said this is her passion. Like she was passionate. Yeah, right. she was already. Like she found her purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, and just knowing like having doing ancestry stuff myself, it's like finding that you wouldn't be here without all these other mm-hmm. people that made you. So just for uh-huh. all the families affected, that's insane. That's just insane. Yeah, how many people, 2,500 people affect, like the yeah. branches? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's millions easily. I mean, it's exponential, I'm sure, after that yeah. for kids generationally, you know? <laughs> so crazy. She kept working. I mean, she never stopped fighting in, in her, you know, old age. And she would she would hear of injustice when she was a little old lady. <laughs> be like, no, we got to go. We got to go do something about this. <laughs> yeah. She was. She sounds spunky. <laughs> she was. She was. She was a spunky, brave 
old lady, and I have really enjoyed learning about I'm her. I'm really glad to have yeah, learned thank about you for her sharing. today. She was fun. I kind of wanted to pick at least somebody that maybe we didn't all have to learn about in school. Right. You know, that maybe nobody had to write a book report. Yeah. <laughs> on her. Report yeah. But uh, wow. she was neat. Yeah, go check out. There's a lot of resources uh, if you want to learn more about her. And we will be back next week with one more hero before we start a new series at a new location in October. Woo-woo. Sounds good. Yay. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Yes. We love you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Girl on a Hill podcast. Please help us out by sharing the podcast with your friends, connecting with us on social media, and leaving a review on Apple Podcast. We're here to climb the hill with you as we all work to stop hiding, start shining, and be the women we were created to be. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.